Welcome to the Top Order Podcast this week in cricket time, 14th of March, here in Auckland, New Zealand. We're going to talk New Zealand versus Sri Lanka, India versus Australia. It's Stu, Baldy and Binksy on the pod this evening. Looking forward to getting into some cracking test cricket. Stay tuned. Right, before you do dip into the podcast, we've got a big favour for all of our listeners. So in about a minute, I'm going to urge you to hit pause on your podcast provider of choice and go and navigate to sportspodcastgroup.com where our very humble little New Zealand podcast has been nominated as Cricket Podcast of the Year in an esteemed shortlist, I have to say. I personally very, very keen to beat Simon Hughes, the analyst cricket podcast, but we're also up against the Ridiculous Ashes, the Backyard Cricket Podcast, among others, um, and would definitely like to beat some of these international cricketers playing as podcasters, rather than, of course, amateur cricketers playing as podcasters. So please take a minute to go and vote for us at sportspodcastgroup.com, click on awards and follow the instructions. We'll be back with the podcast very shortly. Boys, back to the pod reveling in, uh, yeah, upcoming massive fame, really. Uh, it's got, <laughs> got to be said with the Sports Podcast Group Awards. But we are going to talk some test cricket. And look, it's a summer that keeps on giving, doesn't it, in terms of the quality of the cricket that we're seeing. Um, we've got to unpick, obviously, the Australia-New Zealand, uh, sorry, Australia-India stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got our predictions a little bit wrong, although Baldy probably closer to the mark than anyone else around the table. But Stu, look, let's just talk New Zealand, uh, Sri Lanka. We've had a test match come down to the final ball when there were plenty of other balls available. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Anderson gloving off down the, the leg side at the basin after um, a couple of fantastic test matches against England. But we've had an absolutely sensational game down at Hagley, which had probably a little bit more of the ebb and flow that we might mm. not have seen in that previous basin uh, test. And yeah look King Kane showing his class with you know what's got to go down is probably one of the best hundreds in a chase ever oh look uh, you know I always think like sports about moments right and like we've been absolutely treated to that in, as in the New Zealand summer and I, I don't think you know when we were sitting there at the mount talking about the end of uh, of that game the, at the first test against England I don't think anybody thought that we were going to quite get this kind of a buzz from the New Zealand summer. It was a very downcast sort of situation. And even last week when we talked, we, you and I, Binksy, and we were talking about sort of what do we expect from this series. And it was, you know, very much uh, New Zealand's kind of got to come out on top of this quite heavily and really in, in terms to sort of get themselves back on the wagon here. But Boy, I'll take that moment. That was a, that was huge. I was sitting, I've been listening on the radio all day kind of at work and then on my way home and um, I sort of had, I had to convince my family to just let me keep uh, an earbud in while we were sitting there all eating a family dinner and uh, I, I you know, had children saying, look, just take it out for a minute. But anyway, I was reading reading a story to my, my five-year-old and it got down to eight off six balls and I was like, no, no, we, we've just got to stop now. I'm pulling out the phone. He, I mean, he loved it. He was stoked. But Kane hit that ball through for four when it was five off three. And and you sort of thought, oh, yes, we've done it now. Like, I, I was celebrating. And I'd, I'd high-fived him. I'd lifted it up on my shoulders. I was pretty excited about, you know, you kind of get caught up in those moments. But, you know, then then the two no ball or, you know, potentially wides 
two short balls and he's I thought he was run out at the end there. Did what what do you guys think? When uh, that when they had the stumps, I yeah. thought that's out. Oh yeah. no. Uh, my heart sank. I mean, we were very lucky actually because we had a Monday night um game penciled in. Mm. It was a friendly, it wasn't even on the on the, you know, fixtures calendar Not for on points Crick or anything. Info. Nothing on Crick Info, nothing on uh, any of those sites. But Fortunately, we were rained off, and I think everyone agreed, at least on our side, as soon as the rain came down, that we were like, okay, well, there's an opportunity to go to the pub here and at least watch the end of this New Zealand fixture. We thought it was going to peter out into a draw. We mm. weren't sure that New Zealand were even going to go for it, even yeah. at, at at sort of 200 for three. So, one, I'm really glad that New Zealand went for it and didn't sort of look at it and go, okay, well, it's very difficult for us to score 300 off 60 overs or whatever it was that they, that they had to chase. And then it went closer and closer and closer and you know at our table there were three phones with six people walking at the three phones all of them on different parts of the delivery so there were shouts from one half of the table and (laughs) and sort of the other half of the table would crowd around and see theirs and then the other half of the table would catch up so there was all sorts of shenanigans going on (laughs) why the pub didn't have spark sport it's beyond me but they didn't so that was our experience of of watching that game go down to the final ball and 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 as soon as the ball hit the stumps i thought kane williamson was was two or three inches short of his ground and and amazingly incredibly he'd made it he'd made it in so you know look what a finish to a test match and, and who said test cricket doesn't provide that kind of spectacle when you produce the right kind of wicket you you play the game in the right way it can just produce fantastic result after fantastic result and we've been treated to some absolute rippers this summer here in New Zealand yeah look I started listening to it on the way home from work so I, I, I've got to be honest and I've texted you a couple of times this summer yeah. to try and get the frequencies for bloody Sens radio I cannot find the radio commentary Oh, of a yeah. high enough quality anywhere. Um, I've tried the app. You know, it, it's today been an, FM. It's it's been an absolute FM. bloody disgrace. <laughs> so I actually had my phone playing through my Bluetooth in my car with the Spark Sports coverage on. And I'm driving down the motorway and I'm almost sort of making video sure... Video off, I've, of course. Video no, off, of no, course. No, video was firmly on. And I, <laughs> I'm sort of trying to gauge that I've got enough of a distance ahead of me and nothing that could go potentially wrong just as the bowler's running in. Watch the outcome of the delivery and then eyes back on the road. <laughs> wow. No, no police um, listening? No. No, absolutely. Well, we we might have one, but anyway, uh, this is all allegedly, of course. Anyway, and um, but look, I had to pull over um, to to watch the final two or three overs. So, um, literally sat in my car. The rain had actually started to fall in Auckland. I was like, how on earth are they playing? Because it was bloody pitch black um, yeah. up here at that time of night, sort of seven twenty or thereabouts. I think the game finished. And mm-hmm. um, I've got to admit, though, I, I found uh, Sri Lanka's sort of tactics in that last probably thirty minutes or so. Um, and look in the final moment the keeper didn't have his glove off so mm. you know they were always going to try and obviously run no, no matter what had happened I think on, on that delivery so I, I find, found it strange he'd not got the old wicket keeping glove either sitting where the fielding helmet would be or or tucked in the waistband a la Matthew Wade to be able to get that ball away a little bit quicker because I, you know I genuinely think you know he missed the stumps obviously at the striker's end and it went to the bowler who you know really you know did a really great job of turning around yeah, and throwing down the stumps job. but we we're talking about a split second here so I think point A they got that little bit wrong I also think you know when the ball started to you know squeeze out the boundary that Kane had hit the ball before I thought well that's sweet the sweeper's gonna 
and going to pick that up. But the, the sweepers were 15 metres off the boundary for that, mm. not protecting the four. When for the previous half an hour, they'd just let Kane hit two to the sweeper on the boundary every time. When He, he hadn't looked like going over the top of them or, or hitting the gap. So I do think that the Sri Lankan uh, tactics in that last half an hour are a little bit puzzling that they weren't really trying to uh, stop a lot of those twos um, a lot more. You're going to get hit for the odd boundary. You know, you saw obviously um, Henry, Saudi, Atal come in and, you know, they they almost had a free hit, didn't off the fourth or the fifth yeah. ball of each of those overs. Mm. Um, so look, I thought that was a little bit puzzling. But um, aside from that, what a cracking finish to a uh, to a game of cricket. L- Lippy, I've got a question for you. Daryl Mitchell, man of the match in that. Um, clearly 100 in the first innings and looking 80-odd at a pretty decent rate in that second dig. But is there any part of you that's saying that that's got to go to Kane for the quality of that 100 in a chase? Got the pace absolutely spot on. Oh, well, I thought you were going to say Neil Wagner. We, we might get to Wagner in, in a minute. But um, yeah, I look, I think probably fair enough that it goes to, to Mitchell. I mean, um, I guess we'll talk about him just now in the sense that I think what he did so well is that he, him and Kane batted so well together because it was quite clear to me at least. I always thought if Kane is there at the end, we'll have paced this well. It's sort of like when you, the game, the whole sort of chase felt like a one day game, right? And it had that moment where you're going, okay, so there's 30 overs to go. Okay, once we get to 20 overs, we need to have 140 to, to get here we need to you know we need these two to be at the crease mm-hmm. and then you know at 15 overs okay now we need this and it sort of had all of those hallmarks of a that classic run chase I even think back to uh, Tom Latham's beginnings against India and the, the ODI that we were we were at at Eden Park that obviously they were chasing a, a bigger score on that day but mm-hmm. it sort of had that same feeling and, and Kane was in there in that game kind of pacing it while Latham was was going but Mitchell just gave us that impetus I think in both innings mm-hmm. that I don't you know I, I think without him we're not we're not getting there I mean that's sort of an obvious thing to say when he scored so many runs but first ball right first ball in that second innings we got Henry Nichols has just been out Keynes has been dropped by Dick Weller the over a couple of overs before and you're going oh you know same questions you guys said are they going to chase this are they actually going to go for it first ball spinner tosses one up Daryl Mitchell takes a couple of shuffles down steps outside leg stump donks it over his head for six and you're going okay well I guess we're going for it while Daryl Mitchell's at the crease at least and Mm. he gave us that yeah like I said impetus before and when he was going you always thought they're gonna they'll score fast enough to get us home without Daryl Mitchell New Zealand can't win that game because if you have a look at the strike rates at the top of the order I mean yes New Zealand took loss out of the equation by making sure that Latham I think in particular batted a lot of balls I think he batted 80 for 25 at that time when Mitchell came in Kane was striking at about the same rate. He was in the low 30s. So Mm. they had done well to take potentially getting rolled out of the equation, those three, but it needed someone like Mitchell or Henry Nichols to come off or Blundell or whoever. Somebody had to come off at a run a ball for them and and make 70 at a run a ball if they were going to chase that that total down. Otherwise, I think it would have been a case of Kane Williamson would have been not out at the end, maybe 85-90, and New Zealand would have been 40-45 short if, if, if Mitchell hadn't have gone and done what he did. Your point about Kane, though, I mean, it was a spectacular innings. Like, you, oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. You you sort of, I don't know, I still kind of shake my head when I think about, you know, I don't know, even a couple of weeks ago, people were like, oh, Kane Williamson's out of form. And it's it's just staggering. And I, I guess it's just so nice to watch him bat. I love, 
I love watching him in those situations because you, you sort of realize he got a lot of stick about even the, you know, in that 2020 stuff, he was getting a lot of stick, but that's how he builds his innings. He sort of, he, he aims to play the kind of cricket that New Zealand was very successful at in the ODI World Cups and the, and you know, to a degree in the 2020 World Cup and and in our test, cha- you know, championship charge, he takes it to the end. His goal is, if I'm there at the end, we're going to win. And, you know, that relies on a couple of other people to do their roles around him, but he plays that role so well. And when it comes off, yeah, it's, it is it is beautiful to watch, even though I could have done without, I could have done with him getting bat on a couple of those, on those last two deliveries. Yeah, I guess it's just the opposite of basketball, isn't it? The way they went about it, you know, they, they scored at four and over consistently um, in in that innings. Um, Steady ball. Yeah, uh, look and look. I think again, you've got to look at the personnel that you've got available to play. And it, I, I think if they'd have gone out and tried to, you know, knock those runs off in forty overs, they'd have probably come unstuck. So, um, you know, the way that they paced that innings was was fantastic. And whilst came was at the crease, you always thought they were going to get there. And mm-hmm. um, I know we talked a little bit, or I talked a little bit about that last half an hour. And, and some tactics from the Sri Lankans but um, the weight of shot that Kane showed through that period w- was fantastic to run run them ragged really with twos when the there's two no fielding no fielding restrictions um, yep. you know they, they, they paced that um, paced that beautifully we want to talk a little bit about Matt Henry as well I think uh, yeah we've been talking yeah talking him up all summer I think in terms of what he adds to the side but um, look again uh, solid from from, uh, from the big quick Oh, look, he did a great job. And I, I think you've seen immediately what he's added as soon as he's come back into that side, that he obviously missed that first test against England and we were sitting there, you know, you guys got sick of me saying that the attack is just not balanced. There's no balance in this attack. We're, mm-hmm. all, we're you know, very one-dimensional. Southies having to do all the donkey work here. It Like, it's still not the perfect attack. I don't, I don't by any means think that New mm-hmm. Zealand has figured that out. But having Matt Henry in there to support Southie made us huge and it makes such a, a difference and it's taken the pressure off Southie Southie got you know Southie and Henry sort of shared those wickets in the first innings mm-hmm. Southie took a five for became our second leading test wicket taker you know of all time which is you know obviously an incredibly significant achievement but just having that extra bowler you know I think it was at one point in that first innings I don't have the stats with me but it, you know Henry and Southie's stats were whatever it was nine wickets for however many cup you know 100 and whatever and it was like 100 a none for 170 or something at the other end and you know we you know we can dive into a bit of that if we want to but i think the fact that henry just provides i think he, he i was thinking of stuart mcgill when he when when i was thinking about him watching him the other day like he's not i don't think he'll end up with a very memorable statistical career and it's not even like his stats now his average is not very good we've talked about that a bit in, in the past and like in a few weeks ago it was or a few months ago sorry it was up over the 40s i think he's slowly starting to 38 now. yeah he's starting to bring it down but you know he's had wagner saudi bolt in front of him that whole time and then jameson kind of come in and leap, leapfrogged him i think he's been a pretty legit test bowler for a long time and he hasn't really had those opportunities, and now and now it's his opportunity to shine. And look, I mean, he even then got that seventy, which was. Can we uh, touch on that? Because that was valuable crucial. for New Zealand. New Zealand in the first innings, one fifty-one for five. So their last one eighty-eight for six yeah, as well. Yeah. So so they put on two hundred and twenty for those last five wickets, and Henry was a really really big part of that. I mean, yes, 
okay, Bracewell 25, Southie 25, Wagner 27, all did a fantastic job. Yeah, Mitchell did a really nice job of batting with, with them those as well, guys. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that Matt Henry innings, 72 off 75, 10 fours, three sixes. Huge in terms of what Raj would call a momentum shift towards New Zealand, having having you know Sri Lanka put on three hundred and fifty odd. Oh, absolutely, and it, and it, it got pretty fun to watch at the end when mm-hmm. he started when he started teeing off and hitting those balls. I mean, I mean, I I started thinking to myself like, this is this is just about got to be the end of uh, any team thinking let's run in and bowl bounces to get the tail out. We I mean we were saying that during the England series, it's happening again here. We did the same to the Sri Lankan bowler or batters. New, the Sri Lanka they did, did it to they us. Did well. Why aren't you just bowling at the stumps and trying to trying to get the tail enders out? It doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. But Matt Henry, you know, they took Henry Southey Wagner. They took advantage of that to start with, but then they started pitching at the stumps, and Henry's just bonking them over their head for six. Well, because he had his iron. Yeah, he had he had like twenty sighters, and he had his iron by that point. So yeah, hit the stumps, hit the top of off stump. Look, I don't want to take it down a notch. Go on, do it. But I'm gonna. Um, there's got to be, I suppose, and look, it's really difficult in sport, isn't it? There's always those kind of what-if moments. And I think if you go back and rewind a couple of weeks and go, what if Jimmy Anderson had just got a little bit more bat on that? Or what if that wide had been given the ball before? Um, and then I guess, you know, from a you know from a retrospective perspective, if I can say <laughs> retrospective perspective, does you that can. make sense? Um, no? Uh, don't don't worry about it. Just carry on. Don't let um, that get in the way, though. No. Oh, but- my, point, I, my point when I pointed to that word on my sheet is I've had the word retrospective written down on my podcast notes for on, like, day two of every test this summer going, oh, like, we're going to have to talk about this this New Zealand, you know, setup in, you know, yeah. pretty tricky I, terms. I, I guess, do, do, you know, do, does the last couple of weeks paper over some cracks potentially? I know we have a lot of banter on the Slack channel about Neil Wagner. I know you're going to talk about, you know, his fantastic running between the wickets <laughs> for, uh, for 30 seconds. But uh, again, it... Is there part of you that thinks he might just have a retrospective himself here and think this is a pretty good time to to bow out? His economy rate this summer has been like probably upwards of ten and over or something like that. Um, but he, he has struggled, hasn't he? I think with with the ball throughout the course of the summer, despite some wickets in that you know in that England series. Um, but yeah, what are the things that you, you know you take into that retro? Because I think it's a good time, you know, in software terms, it's a great time to be doing a retro when you've had a couple of successful product launches. Um, <laughs> but you know, what are the things that you would improve, I guess, or look to improve when you come to select your next tech, test squads, or um, pick some of the guys that might be the you know the, the guys that are coming into that side for some A cricket or uh, some ODI cricket to get them into that group. And there's and there's a bit of that coming up. Look, I I'll, I'll answer your question in a minute, but you you mentioned Wagner. Let let let's stay positive for for a little bit. Can we just touch on the fact that a guy with a torn hamstring, a bulging disc in his back ran to the crease. Like not not even during the actual action of that that moment. He ran out to the crease because he wanted to be there with you know, a few balls left to go, which was totally unnecessary, but absolutely loved it. Then he sprints and dives at the striker's end for the winning run on his 37th birthday on a throw that like, didn't miss by much and I think probably would have been out. I'm going to steal a term from uh, someone on t- on Twitter, Nick Baker, who, who when I was tweeting about that game, he said that it missed by a moth stick weller that I thought was absolutely hilarious. But uh, look, he went down with that injury, Wagner, 
busted back, busted hammy, and, and he went, oh, let's just see if I can finish the over. I'll run in and bowl another one. And he bowled it at like 126 Ks. Whatever you say about Wagner, and yes, he's struggled a lot in this this summer. It hasn't been the same kind of... Ne- and it's actually, he hasn't been picked. I, he hasn't really been picked, and we've all been going, oh, why hasn't Neil Wagner been picked for the last 12 months? You know, why isn't he sort of the first name on the team sheet? And maybe we're seeing why. Maybe, you know, maybe he's had that slight drop-off, and the likes of Saudi and Henry are just seen in the camp as better options to him now than so when we're only playing two two seamers in the places like Pakistan and um, that he's just not he's just not the guy that we pick Pakistan and India are the, you know the two places that he hasn't had those opportunities but mm. you know I, I think there's a lot to be said about you know the results of his bowling and yeah we don't play Test cricket again for a long time. We don't play till I think after the o- the ODI World Cup. We go to Bangladesh, probably again not the kind of uh, scenario where we're going to have a lot of seamers in that attack. We're going to have two or three spinners again. This might be the last moment in his Test career. We we don't know that. I think a lot of people are starting to have that conversation. I just want to enjoy the fact that we've had a great. T- He's been part of. I said at the start of this series or the, this podcast. Sports about moments, and he's given us two of those moments that are, I'm going to remember for a long time. And he's actually given us so many of those moments throughout his test career that, yeah, I, I'm not prepared to to go down. You guys, you know, you can throw the the whole retrospective back at me because I think there are a lot of other things that we can probably dive into there. But yeah, I think I think we just got to enjoy Neil Wagner for for what these moments have been and uh, and not worry about anything else at the moment. Well, I think we'll pick it up and we'll touch on it a little bit more after the second test against Sri Lanka when New Zealand have finished their summer and I think to a certain extent your results are your results your record is your record New Zealand have pulled two victories out of the fire almost if you like you know they they were unlikely to win both of those games at various points on Mm -hmm. days four and five of those tests but they won days two days two of you know days one and two of both those tests as well they were behind the eight ball so but your performance is your performance and your results are your results. And New Zealand have done spectacularly well to to win those two test, test matches closely as they have done over the last five or ten years in, in their um, in their tenure as one of the top test sides in the world. They, they get the job done, right? Neil Wagner has continued to get the job done for New Zealand. Say what you want about his economy. He was the leading wicket-taker in the England series. You know, he is asked to do perhaps the most difficult job of any fast bowler in a, in a test side, right? To to do all of that hard work at 37 is a task that not many people would be up to. So was he 5-10% below his best in the England series, particularly in that um, game against England at the Mount? Possibly. Oh, I but think but 90% no, no, no. of Neil Wagner is still 100% of heart. Right, it might not be a ninety-five percent heart. Let, let's not let's not we're, be let, silly. We're getting the wind up here, but, but you know what I mean, right? Let's ha- let's have a look after the series and and go back and see what what the future well, holds. On for on your on the next test, I, I think you know we're going to see we've seen Wagner is is injured. They've picked that thirteen. I think maybe in hindsight they might you know be wondering whether you know picking one one test at a time might have been the better option. Henry Nichols looks horribly out of form, and every time he's comes to the crease it actually starting to feel painful like it, it's starting to feel like it's doing his confidence even less you know good. less good to actually be out in the middle I, and you know and then he's been picked for this ODI series as well so I would love to you know we said I've said previously I'd love to see him just go back and you know have a season of of domestic cricket to to try and get that right I, th- I think the, the issue there and um 
you've mentioned you don't play test cricket again for, for a long time so it's long. almost what what's the point in someone else coming in and really only having one game to mm. potentially show that you may as well give a guy that has proven himself over a period of time to be a pretty decent test match batter give him that one more opportunity he can then still go away and play some other forms of cricket and maybe maybe find that form I think you know you used to get this a hell of a lot in England the last test of the summer was always at the Oval uh, flat wicket normally um, someone had come in score 100 and be never heard of again because you know they, they'd discarded someone who was out of form who very quickly came back into form the following you know the following English summer or, or for a winter tour so I, I still think that that's the right um, that's the right call but before we probably talk too much about second test changes for, for, for New Zealand a word on Sri Lanka um, mathematically not possible now for them to obviously make that World Test Championship final as it was leading into this series I think we're mm. confirmed now it's going to be India Australia at the Oval uh, this English summer but I've got to start with Angelo, Angelo Matthews and just say is he one of the most underrated players in world cricket absolutely 100 test matches 1400s averages 45 um, and we don't often talk about him. Um, so, yeah, a word on Sri Lanka. I think they've come over, very little preparation and, and given a, look, a damn good account of themselves in this in this first test match. Their betting has surprised me, really. 355 and I think, what did they have in the second innings? 300 odd? 302 all out. Their batting has surprised me against New Zealand. I always felt like they're bowling. They've they've always had reasonable, you know, good spin bowlers. I like Lahiru. I think he's a really a really likely character. He's strong. He's bowls with you know Raj would say a strong back. Um, but yeah, their, their batting has been a lot more robust than I than I thought it would be. I liked Jayasuriya. Um, he had a couple of little neat knocks there. He looks like a likely cricketer. So they've been a real surprise packet for me in, in how successful they've been overseas very good side of home mm. but but traditionally don't tour well there's always the occasional fielding mistake as we saw in the back end of that um, fifth day with, with the um, with the misfield that cost them a boundary and ultimately could have cost them the test match um, but yeah they're, 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 the quality of their batting has surprised me and Angelo Matthews is a world class cricketer yeah I think when we um probably a couple of years ago now and we did uh, our Mount Rushmore of Sri Lankan batters I think I can't even remember if Matthews made everyone's cut but he was certainly we had it we had a similar conversation at that time like oh wow like I didn't realize his stats were as good as they are and have you gone back and listened to that or have you just got a fantastic memory yeah, he's got I a remember fantastic that memory. we did that uh, I remember that we did that Rushmore I can't remember what we said but I do remember talking about about Matthews Kumar Sangakara was on it I reckon I'm pretty sure yes. Sangakara and Jay Wardner made it yep. yeah. and speaking of Jay Wardner I was wrong it was Dunn and Jaya De Silva not Jay Wardner that I was impressed with the better yes yeah. Yeah, Jay yeah, Suri yeah. was the bowler yeah but um, you mentioned the seamers before I thought all three of their seamers were really impressive actually mm. they completely outbowled us I thought in that first test and or well, in that first inning sorry and I thought the up until the point where they started bowling short to all of our, uh, our all of our tail enders and kind of let them get away mm. they actually they followed the exact same blueprint as the England side did, where they just bowled. They tried to hit the stumps, basically. Tried to hit the stumps, bowled fourth fourth stump line. Tried to get edges. Tried to get bowled lbs, and we looked in. We looked in some danger again. So yeah, I, I thought they. Yeah, as you say, they they equipped themselves really, really well, and I, I think we're set up for another. Yeah, very could be another very entertaining test if uh, if weather plays ball. Can we just touch on that quickly? Asitha Fernando averages twenty three in Test cricket, and I'll just get the other guys' average. That like that's that's really very good, um, particularly for a bowler from Sri Lanka who bowls on really decent batting tracks or bowls on spin friendly wickets. It doesn't, bo- yeah, doesn't Kahir- bowl. Yeah, Lahiru. Um, yeah, they all Rajita. They all bowled really, really well. I was very, yeah, very impressed with them. 
what, and, what changes do you, and reduce the 29 sorry yeah what, what changes do you see for, for New Zealand then coming into this this test match obviously Wagner injured Will Young's gone back off to provincial cricket hasn't he they've released him from the squad I think yeah they they released him to get some game time I, I don't it's hard to know what to make of that whether they've released him and gone go out and score some runs and if you get a score you'll play ahead of Nichols I get the sense that that's not the case. I get the sense that he's gone go and play some cricket. Go and play some cricket because otherwise you're going to be twelfth, you know, twelfth man again in the next game, and you'll have gone the whole back into the summer without playing. Unfortunately for him, he looked he got to I think eleven or something for CD, and he looked like he just chipped one straight to mid wicket. Um, so and that that's the kind of net shot. You know, it really looked like a shot that I've I've hit that reasonably well, but oh, there's a fielder there, and he's kind of thrown the head back and gone. What have I, you know, what have I done? So, and it's sort of the same in that that chance that he did get when he did play against England. He sort of just didn't take those opportunities, which has made it tricky. But so I think I think really we're just looking at a replacement for for Wagner. Bracewell has come into the squad. Doug Bracewell, I would he would be straight in for me for the same reasons that we talked about all that stuff uh, on the balance of the side. I think he makes way more sense that to bring him in than Scott Kugelein. I don't think there's a place for Kugelein and Tickner in the same side. Haven't ever really thought there's a place for uh, Kugelein in the squad at all. But anyway, the, like, I just think Bracewell, it seems, I hope that the wording of the press, con- press release, which suggested that the only reason we didn't see Doug Bracewell against England was because he had a little injury niggle at mm. that time, means that he can leapfrog Kugelein in that squad because he's been one of the leading Plunkett Shield bowlers for a number of years. He's obviously come in, in, in the past and done, you know, he's been a significant part of New Zealand's we bowling. We know what he can do in Test cricket. For he's a while. A, that yeah. was a long, you know, it was a long time ago that he, you know, made significant contributions at the international level, but he can nibble it around. He can do all of those things mm. that... I think complements Southey and Henry, and that's you know we've just seen from this test they were the two outstanding bowlers for us. Even though I thought Tickner, when he started bowling line and length, actually bowled pretty well in that mm. second innings, similar that the way he did against England in that first test at the Mount when he actually bowled line and length. I thought he bowled really well. So mm. yeah, I, I hope it's Bracewell, but I it's hard to predict what they're going to do. And you know, with only thirteen in the squad. Those are really the only only two things we're we're discussing. Let's move on and talk Aussie India. We've had three test matches that have barely gone in a, da- a day and a half each, and then we've seen this fourth test match that's um, gone into the fifth day. I think on the run notes, there's a question mark: Is this the boring, most boring test match? ever played I certainly think there's some actually in Pakistan in Raul Pindi on <laughs> Australia's previous tour um, that, that might fall into that category but um, look, there's still some talking points the return to form I guess of uh, Virat Kohli over the course of this series he's looked a billion dollars if uh, if not a million dollars um, Travis Head his non-selection early in the tour seems to have been a, a bit of an error from the uh, Australian think tank. Huge error. Yeah. Um, and of course, no, Pat Cummins as well didn't return and you know, unfortunately lost his uh, mother, I believe, in between the sort of, what, second and third test yeah, matches. Yeah, he did. Uh, which obviously very, very sad for, for him and um, and those around him. But from this game, Baldy, anything you take away from it from an Australian perspective? I think there are a couple of things that I would take away from it. And I take away from it the performances of Travis Head and Usman Khawaja, particularly at the top of the order, because they have been fantastic for Australia. Usman Khawaja scored his first 100 in Asia. For a long, long time, he was pigeonholed as a player who couldn't play in Asia. 
Travis Head, for a long, long time, including up until the first test, was pigeonholed as a player who couldn't play in Asia. Good players find a way to be successful in foreign conditions if they have something about them mentally at the top two inches of their head. Travis Head is one of those crickets. Usman Khawaja is another. You need to find a way to, to give those players confidence. And I'm so glad that Australia persisted with Travis Head or when they reselected him, put him at the top of the order, gave him the opportunity to take over from Water's spot because he's repaid all of that faith in spades. He has been fantastic for Australia. Kawaja has been just sensational again. I mean, at 36, sensational for ages now as well. He, he averages 70 now opening the batting in test cricket. <laughs> I mean, he has the highest opening batsman uh, average of any opening batter ever now as an opener um, in the history of the game. So, you know, his <laughs> resurgent... His resurgence is just fantastic for Australia. Where has he been? We won't get into it. Life's too short. Um, <laughs> but he, they've, they've, both of those have been spe- spectacular. I want to talk about spin. Can we talk about spin for a little bit? Because um, Troy Murphy and Matthew Kuhneman are the future for Australia in, in spin bowling um, stocks. They were both. I thought they were both excellent in the series. Um, just fantastic to see Troy Murphy come along and dismiss Coley four times. Is his name not Todd? Yeah, it's Todd, Todd Murphy. Murphy. Who's Troy Murphy? <laughs> oh, I used to play cricket with a Troy Murphy. Um, back, way back in the day, that's why I'm confused. Todd Murphy, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Todd Murphy fans. Of, of now, there will be many. Well, or Troy the, Murphy fans, because we're not talking about him. Oh, Troy Murphy plays basketball for the LA Lakers, or used to in a couple of seasons ago. Does he? Mm. Anyway. He, not very good. Uh, this this other spin. Murphy, this uh, other uh, Murphy, uh, as Todd an Murphy. Or as a basketball player? Both. Okay. Uh, but Todd, let's cut the confusion, okay? <laughs> back, back, on to, back on the case, Baldy. Todd Murphy... Excellent. Uh, we talked about it um, offline. We, he will take over from Nathan Lyon as Australia's first choice spinner whenever Nathan Lyon decides to retire, and we will not miss a beat. He will, he will just slot straight in. His control of pace, um, seam angle, variations are, are fantastic. They're subtle, but they're very, very good. Um, I, I just can't speak enough kind words about how he has evolved on this tour, and he made runs, which was, which was handy as well. I, I do think your point there around... Um, the way he bowled was, is quite important and that he, I I completely agree on him that on, on Murphy that yeah it's all of those little things that the the things he would do, was doing the the seam position the the speed I was very impressed with the way the pace he he seemed to kind of get it mm. he he figured he was figuring out the conditions which I think is such a it's such a huge plus and you know at times he didn't kind of get the rewards in terms of wickets mm. you know like Lyon obviously got that big bag at eight for mm-hmm. but I thought Murphy just he bowled sort of equally as well at times and I, yep. and I think that's incredibly encouraging in terms of because Australia are going to have a decision to make right we Lyon's he's I mean he's I think he's shown in the series he's still got some, some he was excellent I'll, I'll put my hand up Nathan Lyon was excellent in this series I've bagged him for a long long time <laughs> I'm not a big Nathan Lyon fan as, as many are, but he was excellent in this series, to be fair. He was a really, really good performer for Australia. And I think he massively benefited from having other spinners to bowl with as yeah. well. Yep. When he, when you're not the sole spinner, it takes that little bit of pressure off you. And mm-hmm. I, I think he's probably struggled with that a little bit uh, for Australia over the, the course of the last couple of years. Is he, as you know, he's on the wane, right? He's, you know, he's very much closer to the end of his career than the start of his career, as we, we often say about people on the podcast. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that bowling with another couple of spinners has, has got to help. 
Um, well, I, and I think the fact that they pushed, they pushing him. Like, yeah, absolutely. A, actually, absolutely. when Murphy came in and bowled so well, and bowled him in that first test, he I did. Thought. He did, and he, and then I, I'm sure that Lyon goes, "Oh, right, okay." Yeah. Like uh, yeah. now, and now I, you know, I can't just kind of cruise along. Not, you know, I'm not saying he was cruising along, but I feel like it does give you that that extra bite. And I, I almost feel like the emergence of Murphy and Kuhneman in particular allowed Nathan Lyon to be a little bit more attacking, a little bit more daring in what he was trying to do, rather than thinking, oh, shit, okay, if I get hit out of the attack here, there's nothing behind me. Like, we have to go back to the pace bowler, so I'm going to have to bowl really, really tight. I don't have the opportunity to to take a risk to take a wicket. And I think he had a little bit more of that in this series. I think he challenged both edges of the bat a little bit better. Look, ultimately, I think the rising tide has lifted all three of those boats, and I, I, I was really impressed with the way all three of them bowled. Do, do you think it is going to be uh, Murphy that kind of... Because I, I think yes. the point yeah, the point that I was going to say is that like Lion, when Lion does go, you're going to have to find your, your all-format spinner, right? It's yes. not going to be, your, um, okay, we're going to India, we've got these... Now we can play these two bowlers. Mm-hmm. It's Australia's... It's the way Australia's built their test side, they always seem to have a spinner. Yes. They're very much like England and that Leach always seems to play and Lyon has always played no matter where you go around the world. Is it you think it is going to be Murphy? Uh, I, I thought he was ha, I personally hands down thought 100%. he was yeah, I thought he was far better than Kuhneman. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. He has you said he gets it, right? He has enough now that he can on the fly work out what it is that he needs to do to be effective mm. and he's already at 22 with barely a dozen first class games under his belt has enough now has enough control of his game to be able to go and execute the plans that he wants to you look at someone like Ashton Agar terrific bowler but doesn't quite have that same level of game understanding and game thinking at 32 that that Todd Murphy has at 22 um, so he look he is absolutely the future and I think we've just got to stick with him and Lippy, to your point, I think notwithstanding the fact that Australia have always played a spinner, you know, and granted when you've got a guy with 708 test wickets um, and a guy like McGill who, you know, played in the same side as him for mm-hmm. a period of his career, you can you can do that. But I think the fact that Cameron Green now oh, yeah. is really offering, you know, that, that package with the bat and ball means they're always going to be able to play a, a spinner. Alex Carey's probably not quite nailed um, that bat, that batting mm. spot. Um, I know, you know, from a record perspective, he's probably still up there and ahead of the likes of a Brad Haddon or a Tim Payne in terms of his batting average. And he's a very, very competent keeper, but he will be disappointed. I think that he's not um, scored a few more runs um, and d- didn't really have a, well, did have a plan. It was just a shit plan really <laughs> to sweep everything. Yeah, it um, didn't come off. Yeah, on, on this tour. So, but I, I do think that definitely that Cameron Green emergence, and I, I know it's not really an emergence, but in terms of the numbers it is uh, over the course of this series, he's offered a bit with bat and ball and um, he's going to allow them to, you know, to continue to play, uh, you know, potentially a, an inexperienced spinner. And he will learn um, if he does come into the side to replace line and he'll, he'll have some tough days at the office, particularly on, you know, flat first day pitches in Australia. But yeah, you look like you found a good in there, Baldy. Well, if we if we project ahead, I mean, we're going to have a, a, several players from that Australian side retire very soon. So there is going to come a point where there'll be a lot of inexperience in that Australian side. So Warner will go soon, Kawaja will go sp- soon, Smith will go soon. Do you think Kawaja will go soon? He's, done, he's in the ne- I mean, in the next two years, right? He's, really? I don't think Smith goes in the next two years. Yeah, I, I uh, there, well, you say that, but there have been a couple of rumours that have been floating around about Steve Smith retiring sooner than you think. Where, where are you finding these rumours? Are they? He, he said it on a podcast. Yeah. 
he said, I don't have that lo- that much longer left in Test cricket. Now, whether or not he's just being philosophical mm. or whether or not he's hinting at something, I don't know. I'm not inside you the mind the of Steve. He does nude in his hotel well, room the night before. Getting it's inside it's the it. mind of Steve Smith is a dangerous enterprise for anyone. <laughs> Even the most emotionally healthy people shouldn't try and get inside the mind of Stephen Smith. Otherwise, they might find themselves, you know, shadow batting at 4 a.m. inside a hotel room. But my point is. Australia are going to need to lean on some of those younger players and the sooner they get them into the test side now the more experience they will have to be able to take on a bigger role by the time we need to find a um, a Chandra Singer to open the batting or a or a you know a, a Henry Hunt or someone like that who hasn't got a lot of test experience so uh, the, the sooner they get them in the better I really loved Cameron Green's coming of age he's put all of his doubters to rest now. All of those people who were doubting him that he couldn't get a big test match 100, he now can. Absolutely, he can carry an attack. We've just got to make sure we manage his body at 22, 23 so that he doesn't break down and spend three years, four years in the wilderness like Pat Cummins did. I think you put your point about kind of bringing those players in and you know we've talked about a lot of that with the New Zealand summer this year and mm-hmm. sort of how we haven't maybe done that as effectively as, as people had hoped. I think Australia traditionally has done that really well. Mm-hmm. And Green is probably a great example of that. He was brought into that side as to, you know, almost under a no pressure, like come in, mm-hmm. we we don't know, even care if you get any runs or if you take any wickets, just come in and bat six, six or seven, bowl a few overs. And I guess, you know, fortunate that the other pe- people around them can kind of carry him. And yep. I think that was what New Zealand was hoping to do with someone like Ratchin Ravindra. Bring or him or in. Kyle Jamison. Yeah. Well, I mean, but well, yeah. The difference to ja- Jameson is that he came in and, and yeah. was immediately a, it was immediately effective a, yeah. a star. But yeah, I, I think Ravindra is probably the better comparison there because we wanted to the other players to sort of give him an opportunity to to work his way into Test cricket and what it hasn't quite worked for New Zealand because we've had a, a run of tricky fixtures and and, 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 you've, and been carrying a, you've been carrying a batter in your lineup for a while too. To be fair, exactly, but. You know, Green, I think, is a great example. And, if yeah, I, I think they've got a great track record of being able to do that, so it mm. might really help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boardy conditions are going to be very different come the English summer for that World Test Championship final. I'd imagine the lineups will be somewhat different to this Test match as well. Yep. Um, I don't know whether Jasper Bummer will be fit, for example. Don't think so. No. Um, do you take anything from this series in terms of a prediction on that World Test Championship final? Well, it depends on what kind of wicket we get at the Oval. If we get a good batting wicket, I think Australia will take a lot from that last Test match to be able to say, well, we can combat Aksha and Ravichandran Ashwin and Ravichadeja on a good batting track. So if we get a good batting track at the Oval, Australia will go, okay, well, we're not as scared is the wrong word, but we have less fear of that Indian spin attack. We have a better plan for them than we did three weeks ago. I think Australia should take that out of the of the series. They should also take out of the, that series the fact that we are going to have more things go in our favour from a side makeup perspective on that wicket than we had in the Indian subcontinent. I think Australia will quite comfortably play three seamers and a spinner, which works a lot better for their strengths in terms of you know Hazelwood Stark Cummins Boland etc yep. as opposed to India will then have to find a third seamer um, to complement Shami and, and Siraj and they will need to maybe make a decision about whether Jadeja and Ashwin and Aksha all play even though Jadeja could bet five probably in the Indian test side and, and not miss a beat yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the wicket, what the wicket is. I suppose it depends who England want to uh, 
butter up the best, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to see, aren't we? We're going to see what an the... absolute Bunsen oh. of the Oval. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be... It's, it's going to be an intriguing lead-up to that final. What wicket are we going to get? You know, what influence can, you know, certain uh, big cricket boards have on the preparation of that wicket? Wow, it'll be the ICC that will ask yes. for what they, they want, I'm sure. Um, but Which is well, a test match that and goes And we've got the, I, the IPL. It finishes, I think, 10 days or something before, before that. And yep. you've already seen, you know... People say, like Rohit, I think, saying, look, well, pe- when people are knocked out of the IPL, we want them over in England straight away. And I think we saw the benefit for New Zealand when we went over there of playing a series against England before the World Test Championship final. I think that we came into that. So sl- Ro- Rohit Sharma said that. What if the Mumbai Indians are in the final then? Is he going to be on a late plane? Well, I guess he's on a late plane. No, no, he, no, he said, no, he said when people get knocked out. He's not saying leave your leave the IPL early. He's saying basically as soon as your your squad gets knocked out, come, you know, we want you over there and start preparing and, yeah. um, which I think is yeah absolutely fair enough and and what you want to be doing. But yeah, that the way that the two sides are able to to manage that situation is yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think we've got to talk about India though, don't we? Here we we've. Uh, We've been talking, I mean, loads and loads of other people, I'm sure, have been talking about Kohli, you know, in in much greater detail for um, for a long time about this 100 drought and all this kind of stuff. But what I want to say about him, aside from the 100, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a result of this that he gets this 100, he looks really happy. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? He looks really, like, calm, and even in the field, he's making... He's sort of joking around, and... Uh, I don't know. I feel like he's often, in the past... You know, you, you often think of him as sort of a really intense and angry... Or mm-hmm. not not quite angry, but it's... Oh, that, he's angry at times. Yeah, yep. but it's intensity, and, and I I feel like he just seems... I don't know, chilled out. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. He looks like under perhaps it's perhaps it's because he's under Rohit Sharma he doesn't have the burden of captaincy anymore he can just focus on his batting I mean we saw that with Joe Root right as yeah. soon as he gave up the captaincy he was well, it scoring seems to be going right for Kane it seems to be going right for Kane as well so maybe that's the key for this big four is you know the burden of captaincy is an additional you know pressure that they they perform better without it but I, I look Coley aside can we talk about Shubman Gill's 100 because that is his first test century as far as I can remember I think that's his first test century right I Carry on I'm, the I'm, assumption that it is, and I, I look at it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm fact check that. Did he score one against New Zealand. Oh yeah, he has, he has second, yeah, second, second test, test entry. entry. Sorry, yeah. it's his second test entry. <laughs> Edit this out, Baldy, in, in post. You'll, you'll do yourself a favour. Nah, don't worry about um, it. But Nobody it's a coming of, a, it's a coming of age hundred for him. In that, I think he's nailed down that opening spot in the Indian side. Now, all respect to Kale Rahul, who's the vice captain of that Indian side. To be fair. We, I think they've got to go with Shubman Gill. He is such a prodigious talent, and we saw it on display in that first innings. I think they have to go with him going forward. I, I absolutely agree with you with Gill. I think I said that before the start of the series. Yeah, he's every time I've seen him play, you know, against New Zealand, he's looked he's looked a million dollars, and he's an all format player too. I, I do just think though, like this was an absolute road. Like, are we are we really taking like? I know we've you know we've given huge credit here to to Kawaja and to Head and and I think though and to Green and look for Head and Kawaja I think they showed it throughout the the whole series that they they made strides and and put themselves you know above mm-hmm. above other players in this series same you know I just think yeah we could get we could be getting a little bit excited because this like. I think I could have scored some runs on this wicket. Well, Look, Tro- it, Troy it Murphy was, got a few. Yeah, Troy. Well, yeah, <laughs> good old Troy. It was. Yeah, I, I just look. Agree with you about Gill, but I, I don't know. 
that uh, we can read too much into this. Then don't read it. Read into it all the other runs that he scored. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like that. That it, that is the currency. It's not this 128. This is the stamp. This is the rubber stamp on the already impressive it, resume. It, it's potentially just that mental kind of, you know, if it had been his first 100, it would have been a monkey <laughs> off the back. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it might just be that mental, you know, yes, I can, you know, I've, I can do this a couple of times now. Um, and look, they're going to get a good wicket, I think, at the Oval for that, uh, mm-hmm. for that World Test Championship final, I think. So um, yeah, it could be a. Could be an electric game to watch from a batting oh, perspective. It's going to be so good. And and uh, just on the Australia kind of the the squad players and all that Australia interesting build up. They're bringing over a couple of sides uh, or a couple of games. Uh, an Australia A side is coming over to play New Zealand A mm-hmm. at the end of the, our summer here. Not actually sure when those those are the, those games. Can't be too far away. I think maybe it must must be at the end of our Plunkett Shield season. They're playing with Duke's Balls. So, you know, and the likes of uh, Hanscom and things are in that squad. So, yeah, we, it, I, I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated from the New Zealand point of view to see who is in those New Zealand squads because obviously we've just named an, an ODI squad as, as well. There's going to be T20s. There's going to be players off at the uh, IPL for both, both you know, New Zealand and Australia. So there, there are a number of... Uh, you know how far down are getting these experiences for for New Zealand because we've you know in the New Zealand side we're seeing Chad Bowes, Henry Shipley, Ben Lister all being in this limited overs New Zealand side. Yeah, who's going to be in that New Zealand squad for uh, the NZA stuff and Australia's? Yeah, it's going to be mm. fascinating. Australia's already announced their squad, which I don't have in front of me. Quite a lot of names that I didn't know. Baldy might know them a bit more, and we, we might dive into that a bit deeper at I'll the time. Ch- but I'll, I'll check the book. But oh, don't worry about it now. We'll talk about it much closer to the time. But yeah, very exciting. And from a New Zealand point of view, I do hope we might maybe see a little taste of Muhammad Abbas. He's uh, someone who's burst onto the scene for Wellington and, and people are very, very excited about his prospects. Well, boys, that just does about wrap up this podcast. Lippy, I'm always absolutely in awe of your ability to move from any player in world cricket and get another uh, New Zealand segment back into the podcast from Shubman Gill to Chad Bowes. Well, well done. Uh, f- fantastic. And um, a quick reminder to all of our listeners, you can vote for the Top Order podcast in the sportspodcastgroup.com awards for best cricket podcast. Whilst you're there, download and, and, and listen to your favourite baseball podcast or American football podcast where you know you can discover other stuff whilst you are you are on sportspodcastgroup.com voting for the top order. But from all of us here in Auckland, it is good night and God bless. We'll be back next week to talk um, of course the culmination of this New Zealand Sri Lanka series and much more cricketing news, views and interviews from all around the world. But for now Good night from Auckland. We'll see you soon.